0: Reverend, entertaining
1: cool you're listening to la talk radio you're listening to the power of love radio show only on la talk radio
2: welcome to the power of love radio show sponsored by the dd Dee Dee jackson foundation we are here to provide hope resources and a community so no one feels alone in their grief i am tj jackson and with me i have one brother at the moment but the other one's coming the soon most important one the most impor- important i'm sorry the most important brother he says the most important brother
1: why is my mic it seems like it's lower i'm i'm right on it <laughs> don't right. mute me right. is that better i guess so
2: yeah okay uh we have todd jackson with us hey guys you are a funny man thank you you're a funny funny man (laughs) uh terrell's gonna be here any minute uh he hit some traffic but we'll be here very shortly but if you're listening to us live on the power of love radio show thank you for listening uh we thank you for joining us you can tweet us at you want to say it yeah go ahead uh ddj foundation so it's at DDJ Foundation. The letters DDJ and then the word Foundation. You could tweet us anything. You could share with us any cool quotes you find, any, um, any relevant information on our topic, or any relevant information on, on what the Foundation stands for, which is how to navigate through uh, loss and grief, and how to pretty much find inspiration and, and hope and, and healing uh, when you're down when you've come from a a place of being low. For the disclaimer, we are not licensed therapists. We're just ordinary people who have experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it, and we've learned from it. We like to share our opinions, what we've learned, any insights we have. But if you think you need professional help, please don't just rely on us or our radio show or even our foundation, just the foundation. Please seek professional help with a licensed professional. That's the best way to do it. That's the proper way to do it. Do not just rely on us. That was a strong disclaimer I just gave. Right, Taj? Pretty strong, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Taj, you know how we start the show. We talk about the day or oh, the huh? week.
1: Do you want to give the call-in, too, or you want to do that a, little, a little
2: while? Yeah, let's, let's do a call-in number. Uh, the call-in number is 323... 323- two zero three zero eight one five again it's three two three two zero three zero eight one five and i saw Terrell walking in he's he seems on like cruise control as he's opening the door come on hey, in Terrell. very, <laughs> yeah, very comes, calm right now very calm very chill uh wearing a bright red shirt uh jacket smiling <laughs> with his glasses on just say hi Terrell.
3: The show just got better. Oh, you
2: know what? I got to unmute you. Go ahead. Say it again. I said the show just got better. <laughs> All right. Well, Terrell Jackson is here now. But So, Todd, we're going to start with you in terms of your week. Well, how was your week? We'll let Terrell settle in. Uh, my week was uh, good. Uh,
1: we saw Gardens of the Galaxy too, so that was interesting. Um, I liked it. Definitely liked it. I had lower expectations, and, um, but I did enjoy it. Or you liked it you know my problem with you yeah, had lower expectations I, I lowered my expectations because okay. I loved the first one so first much the first one was great and, and that's the hard thing you know when you it's like what do you do at that point but
2: you, you know what my problem with it was what? I didn't feel there was a strong enough no, no new giving away. I haven't seen it okay but I didn't feel like I'm not giving it away I didn't feel like there was a strong enough new characters but so, so, do you really need new characters yes you did and that do? kind of a, and, and the first one was known for its great characters and i don't want to call it casting cuz half the characters are what cgi or, or all that stuff actually not really but i just thought the characters in the first one really drove the 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 movie and i was hoping they'd add a character or two in the new edition okay and i was disappointed that there wasn't a strong, no character you know the first character the first one has pretty much every character's a strong personality mm-hmm. a strong person i didn't feel that this one had it got it in my opinion. Uh, but it was still entertaining not it was as, entertaining. as the first one, yeah but still still Agreed. fun. Um Terrell Jackson how was your week? Uh, baseball update. Yeah. You want the baseball update? <laughs> yeah you guys winning losing what? Baseball update we played the
3: Cubs undefeated 13 and 0 yesterday. And your little league. And we were winning 4 to 1 the first inning the second inning the third inning the fourth inning the fifth inning 4 to 1 yeah okay. and then the sixth inning we gave up eight runs. Oh and wow. we ended up losing. Um so that's a, tough that was, that's a tough loss but that's okay. Um on the on the other side it's it's uh you know with coaches a lot of people say I don't know how you do it. I don't like dealing with the parents this yeah. that and the other. And for the first time this year um yeah. I don't coach alone. I have some other coaches that help me. Yeah. For the first time we're kind of experiencing that yeah. and we had we before the game even started we had a um, An email that went out to the parents saying that we're going to have a a meeting, yeah. a parents meeting. Yeah. So we had that last night, and and it's been uh, quite interesting. It's been it's been a lot on my mind. Um, the thing is, is is you guys know I love baseball, and and I've played it my whole life. I know how to coach, and I know what the kids go through. I know all these things, and there's so many life lessons in it. Um, and a lot of parents just parents just don't understand. A lot yeah. of parents don't know, you know, but there's a, there's an art, there's a method to all the madness, you know. And I think um we're getting better. Yeah. You know, but obviously we
2: Is it based do you feel the complaints and stuff are based on losing?
3: Um no, well, the thing is it shouldn't so be so much going age. on at
2: this level because this is the level
3: where from the first time they go from coach pitches where the coach yeah. pitches to the kids, now they're going to kid pitch. so now the kids are pitching to yeah. the other kids. so there's so many things there's there's fear a lot of kids are scared of the other pitchers. yeah, they're scared to get hit by the ball because they don't trust the kid they trust the coach okay so they're scared so now they're not really hitting the ball as well if they're hitting the ball. so they're not used to little Jimmy or Johnny or whoever who used to hit the ball all the time off the coach when he gets to the pitcher. With a kid, mm-hmm. he's not hitting well, so now he's not performing well. So, so now he doesn't like baseball, and then and then it now also, he's down and doesn't really want to play baseball. So. And
2: also because he's not hitting, it has to be the coach's fault. Exactly. Yeah, they got to put it or play.
3: his his attitude's different. He doesn't really enjoy it. I've never heard it before. So all of those things come with it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I do love it. I do enjoy it. The funny thing is, is one of the the parents that was a little bit. I think he was the one that was complaining the most. Yeah. He was the one kid in my dugout that was crying and really
2: wanted to win, you know. So he wanted to win.
3: Mm-hmm. And I don't even think the father knew uh, that his son took it that Well,
2: I, I mean, coaching sports is tough, especially, like you said, to, to start for the parents. You have to deal with the parents. That's the hardest part to me mm-hmm. about coaching youth sports. But it's, it's incredibly hard in baseball. Oh
3: baseball a, baseball alone is a tough sport. I mean, baseball
2: coaching, baseball, dealing with parents is is i I'm just gonna say it's a difficult. nightmare. It is because there's nightmare. only so
3: many positions, all of these things. It's a nightmare. But the best thing that I love about coaching, it's the lessons in life, you know. Yeah. At this level, like we're not getting paid to do it. You don't win the what you get a trophy at the end. Yeah. Um doesn't matter to me. It's just I know I have an opportunity to, to teach these kids teamwork. And um, never giving up. Those are the lessons I try to teach. And that's what's most important.
2: Interesting. Most important, I agree. Very good, Joe. All right. Well, today, um, I I mean, we're going to skip my week because I really didn't have anything to add to add. It's not important. It's really, I I mean, I don't even remember, to be honest. It's just a blur. Tennis lessons. Yeah, but, yeah. Anyway, uh, our guest for today, we have Erica Lauren, who is a longtime friend, not too long, but is, is over several many years now, I think. And Erica has always been uh, someone we can always rely on. Someone who's always looked after us and, and looked out for us and, and tried to do good things for her friends. Now, however, however, I almost said how Erica, <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool term. How Erica, <laughs> how Erica, Erica has, 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 had a life-changing moment in the year 2017 and is here with us today to share about her life-changing moment and how she's dealing with it, how she's recovering from it, and how she's growing from it. So, without much further ado, is that said right, Taj? Yeah, I do, yeah. Not I do, but I I do. do. I do. Without any longer wait, we are going to Open the mic to Erica. Erica, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> this is so fun. It is, right? It's a good yeah. time, right? Yeah.
2: So, uh, Erica.
0: Yes. How are you today? I'm great.
2: No longer a Texas resident.
0: No, I am now a Californian.
2: That was like a little bond we shared was, was <laughs> our love for Texas. Erica was the one person. I was, <laughs> <that last holdout. laughs> was the last holdout. Was the last holdout. And it's not only just Texas, but the Dallas area.
0: Yes. I was very close to where you where you were yeah I
2: love that I know that's not this show but I just have the best <laughs> memories of my year and a half in Dallas but anyway,
0: I'm a happy Californian now
2: yeah yeah so your first time living in California yes
0: Ooh. first time living here how many months has it been it's just like a month I'm a fresh one yeah yeah
2: see I think if you're fresh you people always like it when they're fresh
0: well, well. it's been a huge adventure you yeah. know I just Took the two dogs, put them in the car, and drove co- cross-country by myself. So,
2: By yourself? I was by myself. That's like a so, 20, 26 that? hours. How many stops?
0: Uh, I just laid over one night in Tucson. Good. Yeah. How long I've did the, done
2: the dogs that? drive?
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were actually not as helpful as I was hoping because I have a dachshund, and he had his foot on the pedal, and my, my Keyshawn was trying to steer, but I was too nervous.
2: Okay. So you said by yourself?
0: Yes. By myself. Why are you by yourself? I just recently divorced after 11 years of marriage. Mm. And that's been a huge life change.
2: It so there we go. That's our topic for today is, yes. is how is Erica's a newly divorcee? Is that the right term? Divorcee, yeah. Divorcee? Yeah. Is it D-I-V-O-R-C-E-E? E-E. Uh-huh. Or, divorcee? or
0: very happy. That's also the other term. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I mean,
2: I... I I haven't talked to you. I think Todd just mentioned this on the air. When we have a guest, I don't like to talk too much about their story before because I want to be like the listeners where I don't really know what's going on. Right. But um, I have to say, you seem very bright. You seem not as intelligent.
0: (laughs) I've already. (laughs) I have been fooled on (laughs) that one.
2: I mean, you seem very upbeat.
0: Yes. I'm, I'm actually very happy. This has been a long time coming. Several years coming. I knew several years ago that I was not in a situation that was what I really wanted for me. So the last few years have been spent figuring out how to move forward and have the least amount of casualties. I didn't want to hurt him either. Mm. It's just realizing that you're not with your person.
2: When did that happen? When did you realize you weren't with your person?
0: Probably about five years ago, we we got married, and we had a lot of change in our first year of marriage. We were living in in Fort Lauderdale, and he got relocated to Texas, which is why we were in Texas. So in the first year of marriage, we had massive, everything that they say you shouldn't have to go through, moving and marriage and all these massive life stressors. And we moved out here within nine months of being married, or moved out to Texas within nine months of being married. So we never really had a chance to kind of settle. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, everything was spent investing in his career. And Mm -hmm. I gave up my career, which I loved, um, and left all my friends and my family in Florida and moved for him. And I'd never, Texas was a big adjustment, especially growing up in Miami. Yeah. And um, his whole life became his job. And probably about year three, I started seeing these workaholic tendencies where there was no balance whatsoever. Um, Year five, he fell into a massive depression we had a suicide attempt Wow. and he just never was the same and never checked back in.
2: What was your, what was your stance at that moment when you felt he was lost and not in a good space? What were you doing as his wife or what were you doing?
0: Everything and anything. I found him the right healthcare practitioners. I found him a therapist. I found him a psychiatrist. I found him, I mean, whatever he needed, I was there.
2: And that didn't really help?
0: We tried marital counseling. Um, we went and he just, you have to really want it.
2: Your own self.
0: Yes, both of you have to want it. I was carrying this relationship for a very long time. He didn't want to go into some of the dark places that he'd have to go into to heal himself and mm. to be what I needed him to be. Because I've always been a big proponent of, of health, mental health and, and therapy, mm-hmm. constantly been in therapy. So I was kind of in the graduate school of therapy and he hadn't even started kindergarten. Right, And I kept saying to him, it's super important that we grow together. It's super important that you do this on a, in a spiritual level to get spiritually connected, which he wasn't. Mm. And um, I hung in there and I stood by him and I was not going anywhere. It just, at the end, he beca- the lying became just one lie after another to cover up what he wasn't willing to do. It wasn't cheating. It wasn't anything like that. It was just he didn't want to put in the effort. As you know, I don't have to tell you, marriage is a ton of work. Yeah. And you both have to be willing to give 100%. And he wasn't even willing to give 30. I made life pretty easy for him. Right. So, so in a sense,
2: you, you made it so easy that he wasn't really putting any effort into having a strong marriage with you.
0: Exactly. It became all about his needs and only about his needs. Mm. And then when I would ask for something, because I never did, it was this huge ordeal where he just, it was, he used to say to me, I, I don't know what to do. I can't do it.
2: Now, okay. Let me ask you, in prior relationships, has that been something you've experienced where you've done more of the caring or trying to?
0: Yes. I've always been, because I'm super independent uh-huh. and I don't need very much, uh-huh. um, I tend to not ask for what I need. And that's what I learned from this experience, too, is that even if I'm not in crisis, I still have things and emotional needs that need to be met and Beautiful. I need to make that known.
2: Beautiful. So that's what you've learned and taken away from this, your marriage. I've you learned 11 a years, lot. too, right? Yeah,
0: 11 years. We were together, 13. Um, wow. I, I did a lot of soul searching and figured out, because marriage is a two-party Yeah, I mean, it's not just one person. So I had to take my ownership in it and what did I do? And I tend to put myself second and just be independent as to not be a bother or to impose. Mm -hmm. And that became more of an imposition than not imposing. Mm -hmm. And I learned I needed to be much more open and honest about what I needed. And Mm. without that, you can't ask somebody to know what you need if you don't tell them what you need. Do you think
2: you're doing... Because you seem upbeat. You seem like you're in a good place. I'm in
0: a great place.
2: Do you think that's in relation... Do you think it's tied to the fact that you now are... I don't want to say... Yeah, I guess, putting yourself first?
0: I think that's a big part of it. I think also when you walk away from a relationship knowing 100% that you did everything in your power to try to make it work and you, you find resolve in knowing that it just... He wasn't a bad person. He just wasn't my person. Yeah. And I feel so proud of myself that I was able to love myself enough to say and to love him enough to say, listen, this is are neither of us are going to get what we want out of this.
2: Did you have those thoughts before getting married to
0: him? It, when I got married, it was a very interesting time in my life because I had come out of a highly abusive relationship and I didn't do enough therapy and work on myself before I made a commitment this big Mm. to know really who I was and what I wanted. I think that I made some of the decisions in numbness, to Mm. be honest. He was a safe person. He was everything that I didn't have before. And so some of those decisions were based on fear. Some of those decisions were based on not knowing who I was and what I wanted and some of those decisions were based on pressures that people put on you because right. I was starting to get older, right. and they start with the biological clock, and, right. and we ended up not having children anyway. So then you look back and say, well, if I knew then what I knew now, would I have made that same decision? Right. I don't regret anything because I'm now the person I am because of what I've gone through. The only thing that I would have done is I probably would have been more honest and given him the option to say, this is how I really feel. Is this how, what you still want to sign on for? If that when, makes sense. When
2: would you have done that? Earlier. When we got married. Because uh, yeah. there were
0: certain things that I didn't feel for him. Yeah. That I thought would come with time. Okay. And they didn't. And so I think, in all honesty, I could have been more open in telling him what the expectations that I had that maybe I didn't. Because I didn't want to upset the apple cart.
2: What do you... Do you guys
1: have any questions? Yeah. When you say abusive, are you talking physical or are you talking like more mental and verbal abuse? Like
0: All of the above. Mm-hmm. he was it was a five year relationship that not, went, not
1: the not the not one. my husband yeah.
0: or my ex-husband no um it was a previous relationship, and mm-hmm. I just didn't heal the way I should have. Mm-hmm. I didn't give myself the time to process everything and to really kind of own that space. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we go from one and it there was several years in between, but I do think that there's times that we just let things go and we don't really deal with it. And we shove it down. But guess what? It always comes back. It always comes back. It always comes back. So you have to deal with it now or deal with it later. But you will end up dealing with it somehow.
2: And the advantage of dealing with it now is you get to kind of reclaim and and grow as a person. Reclaim your life and grow as a person. And you become a better person sooner. Absolutely. And a more uh, informed person, I I think is a good term. A more informed person at a younger age. Yeah, more whole
0: I mean, I have to say that I am happier now because I can stand on my own and I'm I'm incredibly happy with the person I am. I like who I am and that makes everything. So anybody that comes into my life at this point is there because they're there to compliment me, not complete me. And that's a big piece that's of it.
1: Nice. we No, I was going to say, because I know your journey, and and um, but the listeners listening now would be like, oh, well, she seems so happy. You know, there was... But there was a a journey and there were there were a lot of dark spots in, in, in that journey. Absolutely. You wanna, like not talk about it, but just overcoming that, because if I was listening now, I'd be like, oh, well, she just got divorced and she's all happy and all this. Stuff. <laughs> right. It's the, a good experience. Know, yeah, But that <laughs> that year leading up to that decision, you know, was a hard year for you.
0: I, I I think I told my ex-husband this, that the only thing harder in my mind than making the decision to end a marriage is to take somebody off life support because that's really what you're doing and one person always has to be that person that ends it and um leading up to it there was so much soul searching and there was there as taj knows because he talked me through a lot of it there were many nights that it was just crying because Mm. i didn't want to hurt anybody else but i knew that i needed to be honest and i knew i wasn't happy and if i'm not happy then there was no way he could have been happy Mm. And I, it took me about six months to build up the courage to say to him, this is not working.
2: What, in, the, in those six months, what was it in particular that helped you get that courage? Was it a, a specific Oprah episode? Was it? <laughs> no,
0: no, Oprah didn't have anything to do with this one, um, although I'm sure she would have something to say to help. Um, it was actually this, one of the dumbest fights we ever had, but it was Uh-oh. enough to push me over the edge that I would had enough. Um, They always say that couples fight about money. And that's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was traveling for business to Las Vegas. And my bank card, had something had happened. It didn't work. And and I asked him if he could get me $200. And I remember him looking at me and saying, why do you need $200? And I said, well, I'm traveling tomorrow. And you haven't gotten me a replacement bank card. Um, Because he said he would, which I should have now taking care of it myself but i said you know i'm leaving can you just get 200 cash and he looked at me and said i just don't give money to people and i said people like <laughs> what what <laughs> people Wait, so like this is
2: after 11 or uh,
0: 11 we've been married 10 years at that point point. and i looked at him i said people I'm, I'm your wife what do you mean and then he said well i i work very hard for my money like implying that i didn't and i just looked at him i said who are you and, yeah. and I realized that it was such a control thing for him. And I said, you know what? I don't want your money. Keep it. I'll just go to the bank tomorrow. And, and he said, no, no, I'll, I'll take care of it. It was, almost became like a, he was trying to in, impose his control like a parent-child. Yeah, And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I, the, the,
2: did, you, what, did you feel like that personality in him? Did you see any other episodes prior?
0: Yes. It was getting progressively worse. Okay and and because i told you nothing's off limits yeah um he also alcohol consumption Mm. got greatly increased Mm. and as he fell into depression he became more withdrawn and more withdrawn and i kept trying to throw him lifelines i kept trying to save him and bring him back and he just he he wasn't willing and it's interesting because when i finally got the courage to tell him it was a very interesting conversation he got really defiant and very defensive and it became all my fault and I said to him I'm not here to place blame I'm just telling you I just don't think it's gonna work and he said well I'm gonna go do at that point when I said it was done he was willing to do anything go to therapy he was and I said I'll give you a month to kind of show me what you're gonna do I figured I would give that to him and see if he really was serious And it took him like a month and, I think a month and change to get an appointment with a therapist, but he was doing it for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. He wasn't doing it for himself. Mm -hmm. He was doing it for me to save the lifestyle that he had had with me. It Mm -hmm. wasn't even me that he was trying to save. It was the idea of marriage. It was the fact that he was more worried about being a failure in the marriage than being happy in the marriage. Right. So, you know, when people say, well, what, what did it for you? It was that, and it was consistent lying that kept happening over stupid things Mm -hmm. things that he knew i would know it like i said it wasn't any cheating or infidelity it was lying about he he missed a doctor's appointment and lying about it and saying that he took care of something and he never did so when you when you do that over and over it breaks down and it chisels chisels away at the trust
2: what would you tell yourself 10 years ago
0: wow um
2: now remember 10 years ago you're one year married
0: yeah, 10 years ago. So you're
2: already married. What would yes. you tell yourself?
0: I would tell myself to not allow things to go on when I first would see behaviors. I let too many things pass.
2: Did you let it pass because you were newlywed and now you felt like there was no way out?
0: No, I, I never felt trapped. It was more of... No one's perfect, and I can accept flaws, and I'm not going to, you know, my mom used to always say to me, pick your battles. Mm -hmm. But what I would wait until, I would wait till it was a war, not a battle. Mm -hmm. And I would always feel like, you know, I think women get afraid that we're labeled as nags because things bother us, and sometimes we let things go. Mm -hmm. That Because, let's be honest, there are major thinking differentials between men and women, and things don't bother us that bother you, and things that bother you don't bother us. So I think that I would have been more vocal. Okay. And, and instead of being like more accusatory, like, I, I know you're lying about this, I probably would have said, find out why. And I think I kind of knew why he was, he was always um, more worried about the, the public perception of him rather he was a very different yes he was more worried about what people thought of him rather than what a he thought of himself and what i thought about him it was everybody Mm. else's opinion was more important Mm. so it was it was kind of that and there was there was the other thing i would have told myself is don't marry somebody that you are not spiritually equal with that you don't have the same spiritual perceptions can you elaborate and it wasn't a religious thing we did come from different religious backgrounds But spirituality is is a huge thing for me, and it wasn't for him. And he Mm. used to pride himself on the fact that that he was a science based thinker and he was an atheist. And you know, at first I I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But as you go through life and you grow and you start going through a lot of the hard times in life, spirituality is really what you fall back on and how you perceive your position in the universe and in the world. And and if if somebody is looking at, I'm the type of person that I look at the world and I say, okay, how am I impacting the world? He was the type that would look and say, how is the world impacting me? And I was an internal processor and, and putting out what I wanted back. He was taking everything in and not giving anything back. That's mm-hmm. a huge difference.
2: Right. I, I think you make an awesome point uh, about making sure you're connecting. If you're going to go long term with someone, making sure you're connected spiritually whatever that is whatever it is whatever it is i do think if you're on completely opposite sides you're gonna life's gonna throw curveballs at you and you're gonna be dealing with situations that are gonna really expose that difference and cause issues
0: and it is an issue yeah because i would always rely on my spirituality and he would minimize it yeah and he would try to logic his way out of it when i would be reaching for spirituality he would try to Sell me on his perception. Yeah, and it just made it drew it drove us further apart rather than closer. I,
2: I didn't ask you. You're okay with phone calls, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, we've had some phone calls oh. coming in, but I haven't answered them. Oh, but they're yeah. going to be coming in. And Open here's book. one. Here's one. All right, who do we have on the phone with us?
4: Hello, CJ. This is April.
2: How are you, April?
4: April. Hi, I'm good. How are you?
2: Doing pretty good today. It's a it's a nice. Actually I like these kind of days. I was People say, will nice. call it nice. What are you, we're looking <laughs> yeah, at a kind of gray we're sky looking out, out the stuff. window. Gloomy <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and it's gloomy, but I actually enjoy it. I really do. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I think it's a beautiful day here in Southern California. Uh, what do we what do you got for us April?
4: Um I want to talk concerning, you know, since you we were talking on divorce, me being a divorcer myself. I have been divorced going on almost 10 years. Next year will be 10 years and the thing is i can relate so much to erica you know what she was saying because the only difference is i end up having to divorce my husband because he had an alcohol abuse Mm -hmm. problem and i feel like i've done everything possible you know to try to keep our relationship together when i was with him i went to rehab with him i went to counseling with him i did pretty much everything i felt the need to do you know trying to save my marriage. But it just got to the point where, you know, it was no more, you know, not able to be saved anymore because it was beginning to, you know, cause me to have health problems where mm-hmm. I had got really depressed to the point where I had to start taking medicine. The doctor had put me on depression medicine. I had been on muscle relaxes, everything. I had lost weight. It just got to the point where I say it's either me or him, so I had to choose myself because he just got to the point where he just did not want to change. Nothing changed at all. I even tried staying for the kids' sake, but it got to the point where I couldn't do it, you know, that, even that anymore. It just wasn't working, so I just feel like I've done everything, you know, I possibly could do to try to save it, but you know, you always have that thought in your mind that you have done something, you know, more Mm -hmm. to save the relationship, but you know, honestly, I feel good about it now because, you know, it has brought me to be a stronger person even though I still kind of feel like in my mind, you know, maybe I should have tried something else but I know it had to be two people. It it couldn't work with just one person, you know, working. It had to be him helping to work the relationship out but it just wasn't you know, that way. Yeah. So I just, you know, I just wanted to you know, call in and say that much because I know exactly well I won't say I know exactly what you know Erica went through but I know it's related to my story as well what I went through
0: and I think you made such a, a good point in that I think a lot of times as as women I can, sp- I can speak at least from my experience we do take that burden of always thinking was there one more thing I could have done was there something I could have done differently and the truth is is that he had as much responsibility in it as you did and you can only do your part, and you can only clean your side of the street because the yeah. other person has to do their part. So I commend you for... it's. It takes a lot of courage to walk away and, and to put yourself first and your kids first and just know that that, that was exactly what, the best thing for you at that moment. So I think that was a great choice for you.
2: And and I, I'm going to add, not only was it the best thing for you, it was the, probably the best thing for your family as a whole because they... I think all kids need a, a happy, happy set of parents. You know, if if you're miserable and and your husband at the time is miserable, life's gonna, the kids feel that they sense that. And I and and I'm never gonna you know try to promote people to get divorced quickly. I think the way you two have done it is the proper way. I think you got to try everything you possible. But if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And I think you know I've seen a lot of people who've gotten divorced that have ended up becoming friends down the road. Um, when they eventually find their one, you know, and I just think you got to be a strong person for yourself before you could be a strong person for another person. But April, I thank you, it. thank you so much yeah, for your phone call. Yeah, thank you for call, sharing the story, April, oh. and and, no, and take care of yourself, okay? Bye. April. Okay, I will. Thank you. Thank Love you, you guys. Love you right. too, Love you April. Too. I do Bye-bye. want
0: to say one thing that that. Um, you know, kids model what they see. Yeah. And you had mentioned earlier asking me if I was always kind of the one in the relationship that cared more. That's what I was modeled. That's what I saw. Yeah. My mom was always the one that did that. And and that was another thing that I really took a lot of time studying during this is my family dynamics. And what role I've played the entire time. And what role did I want to play in the future? Because
2: the, the, the one thing I would say about you knowing you, Erica, for several years, you're a very strong person. You're very independent. You're very... Um I'll figure it out, yes, <laughs> you know you don't rely like to rely on others you you'll take on any challenge, and I was gonna ask that, but I assumed it it must have come from your upbringing or or what you saw was your your mom when you said was like that
0: yeah my mom i'm I'm just uh i've kind of always been fearless with things, I think. Also going through what I've been through and and going through an abusive relationship, but I know there's a lot of people out there that can relate to this. When you come through something like that, you kind of step into a power that you didn't know you had, and you realize that you do have. I think the most empowering moment of my entire life was the first time that I told him no more. Mm. That changed everything for me. When I finally said enough, you're not doing this anymore. It was like, I never thought I had the ability to say that. And then when it came out of my mouth, it hasn't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> when so, did you first say that? That was um, when I was finishing off that relationship that started in college and it finished after college. Mm. And I won't give away how many years ago that was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was the, I think, the one, you know how you have those moments in life that you, I know you guys know this, that they change everything, your, your path in the future. And it's over something, it was over a two-letter word, it was over no. I mean, my whole world changed after I knew I could say no. Yeah, and I think that I didn't heal other parts of me, but I was able to to know that I could rely on myself. And if I did get in a situation, I do remember thinking about marriage at one point. Is that well, if I hate it, I can get out of it. I do know I have the right, the ability to get out of it, and I. Ne- that's why I never felt trapped. Did you ask me? You know, yeah. Did I feel yeah. like it was because I had no way out? No, I never felt trapped after that first time I said no. To, to, my, uh, to the abusive ex-boyfriend.
2: One of my favorite quotes from relationship aspects is, I don't know who says it, so don't ask me. I just remember <laughs> Why one. do you have quotes but you don't know? Because quotes Who's are like they're? words. They're like a sentence. I can remember a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember a string of sentences, but I can remember a sentence. But it's, be with someone who brings out the best in you, not the stress in you.
0: That is so true. And I have a 60-40 rule, by the way. A what? 60-40 rule? Let's In it. relationships. So if you're happy 60% of the time, then you can deal with the 40% that you're not. As mm. long as the ratio is higher than equal or lesser than, then it's worth fighting for.
2: Okay. So basically, if you're married, you probably start at
0: 95-5.
2: And then yeah. you gradually go down. You go
0: down. <laughs> if you go under 60, that's when you've got to start looking and say, is this worth fighting for?
2: Is this worth fighting for? That's at
0: least my rule, and it's worked It's, <laughs> Where it's worked. What do you hear about me. this rule? My grandmother, who had, she was married 66 years, and she had two rules. She had the 60 40 rule, and then she had the rule that there's always somebody in the relationships are never 50 50 or 100 100. They're 100 0 because one person is always giving more than the other. And if those days that you can be the person that gives, you're happy, you can deal. And if you're the person that gives nothing, as long as that balance keeps shifting back and forth, nice, then it's safe. But don't ever she said, don't ever think marriage is going to be 50 50. I like it, and I was a hundred zero for a long time. Yeah,
2: and then you I you were the zero. I was
0: the, no, I was giving 100. a hundred. Okay. He and and that's when I finally was like, this is not going to change. And when you give somebody every opportunity, the other thing that I think is important, I, I've had so many people ask me. You know, um, I know married divorce is hard. It's a failure. I've never seen my divorce as a failure. It was a success because we got married and we had eleven years together. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, but what I gained from it, a failure is when you you put something in, you get absolutely nothing out of it. That's not the situation.
2: Well, you're a big country music fan.
0: I am. (laughs)
2: You're going to ride with it, I thought. Okay, I am. And I know how much you love Trisha Yearwood. Yes,
0: I do. Oh, okay, good.
2: See? (laughs) I do my research. Anyway, uh, she had a, a great quote that I looked up. Okay. This one I did look up. Okay. Divorce is so common and accepted in America that beating myself beating myself up over it may sound ridiculous, but I was raised to believe that divorce wasn't an option. To me, divorce equaled failure. I wasn't able to change that equation until I found myself in the right relationship. That's well, so well, true. Well, yeah. Because well, so, I don't want people to think we're here promoting divorce. Absolutely not. But divorce is... is Is an option and it may be the right option for certain people. Yes. And if you're miserable in life and there is no fix, you have to do something about it, in my opinion.
0: Well, no, you're right. And it goes back to that only be with somebody that can bring the best out, best of you out. If both of you are miserable, neither of you are going to be contributing your best and showing your best. Correct. Divorce, it should be the last option. And and I, I think that I didn't go into my marriage lightly. I went into it with you know a hundred percent this is life and I would have stayed the things the things that the reason I left is I had non-negotiables before getting in this relationship and I think everybody needs to determine what their non-negotiables are for me it was honesty in and, and people say that oh well it's being honest but we all have no one's a hundred percent honest all the time right it's it's what you can. What you can tolerate mm-hmm. when he started lying about things that absolutely didn't matter over and over again And we had addressed it and it just didn't stop that was a non-negotiable for me I understand. And and so I think if knowing that's part of knowing Who I am now I now know what my non-negotiables are moving forward. Yeah, and that's a huge piece of, of being a great partner because it's not just about what I received from this marriage. I was a great partner, and yeah. I'm not saying that lightly. I mean, I really did all of the work, and, and I was so self-aware of my part in this. So, I mean, he, I'm not perfect by any means, and, and he is not the villain in this. Yeah. It just is. It's interesting to go back and study dynamics and, and how, thi- what things or how things could have been different, I should say.
3: Uh, I have a question. Sure. Um, because you mentioned it in April. The caller mentioned it. Alcohol. Yes. Um, with marriage, obviously, there's loyalty and support and being there to the end um at what point does it does it flip a little bit i don't I don't know if flip is the right word, but at what point do you realize I can't stay in this anymore or or I can't because there's gotta be a thing where it's like I'm loyal, I have to be with him, I'm married, you know. Got to go all the way. Like, but what's at the some tipping point,
0: point? Yeah, at some point,
3: there's got to be the, okay, this isn't going to work.
0: I think for me, I can't speak for everybody. Mm-hmm, I can only speak mm-hmm. for me. But for me, it was when I had gone through and done everything I knew how to do and I, everything that all of my experience with therapists and we had gone through all of that. And I was still not getting anything back from him. You know, I was like, if you just give me a little bit, I'll be there. But when somebody keeps shutting you down time and time and time again and you realize it's because they don't wanna show up, I realize there's just nothing I could do. And the alcohol does play a part. He he was a casual, I mean he wasn't an alcoholic per se, but he started to use alcohol as a crutch. And when somebody's using something as a crutch, that Mm -hmm. takes them off the table for availability for you. And I did bring it up to him, we did talk about it, and it wasn't until just a couple weeks ago that he admitted that it was an issue. So I think to answer your question everybody's tipping point is a little bit different um, but it was a combination it was like a firestorm of like four different things that happened at the same time it was a couple lies that I found out about it was the money situation it was hiding alcohol you know bottles of alcohol from me it was just this whole thing and it just built up and I had run out of options of ideas and I had definitely sought out the help so I think there there comes that tipping point where you say, okay, it's it's him or me,
3: right? Or it's okay. your partner
0: or you. You, I, the only thing I can say is you know it when it happens.
3: Right.
0: You know you're in until you're not. Mm-hmm. At least for me.
1: Yeah, I, I have a question. Yeah. Because um, people see you and they're like, oh, s- strong, independent. Yes. And um, that's a hard thing because at the same time, when you need people, people don't assume you need them. That's Correct. The, and that's the just because we, we we've had some callers call in in the past and said I've had to be the strong one or this or that for something but then they don't get the I don't want to say the love back but they don't they, they everyone thinks they have it under control because they're, they're the strong ones or they're the problem solvers. Did you find that difficult with you in terms of while you're going through this like you know everyone just assumed that you had it under control?
0: Yes, it's an interesting point because I I am one of those people that usually has it under control. And when I did finally become vulnerable, which is the key word, is vulnerable, you have to be willing to let people be there for you. Um, People didn't really know what to do with me because when I'm sitting there crying, and it was, you know, weeks and weeks of me sitting in the house just crying, and people didn't really know how to support me because I never asked for help, and that's what I also learned in my marriage, is he didn't know how to help me either. So, being vulnerable and not being afraid of the fear, you you have to just know that when you jump, your wings will sprout and you will fly
4: mm-hmm.
0: because you'll be caught. but it is important to honor whatever feelings come up during this process, and it's ugly. I'm not going to lie. Divorce mm-hmm. is ugly, and I, we, we didn't have children involved, yeah but even and I say that a divorce with no children is the best. Circumstance that you can have if you have to go through a divorce, I agree, but even not having children, it was ugly and it was painful, and it was raw, and I just knew that I was capable of more than what I was doing. You have to love yourself and want more for yourself than you want for that other person, right, and you have to realize that until you are whole, you can't be a the best partner right you know right. and and when you stop when you when, when the fear becomes just you'll accept whatever comes, that's when change happens. And, and I think people,
2: I think it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty deep, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but I think it's a pretty serious, I think when you say something like you have to love yourself more than you love the other person, people don't really get that. They think that's kind of a selfish thing right. to, to say. But it's, if you just take a step back, and realize that by loving yourself more than anyone, you can provide the best person from of yourself to that person. You could be the best person possible for that person and your family.
0: You can be whole, you can, you can give up, yes. You could be 100% best, yep.
2: yourself and give 100% of yourself instead of if you're just giving, 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 you, you may be a shell of yourself and therefore not really giving anything of significance.
0: And what's interesting about that too is I think that all the the people that are all giving and the people that are all taking, you end up resenting each other in mm. the end. The takers end up resenting when the givers stop giving and the givers resent the takers for never giving. Yeah. But it's this pattern that you set up. And when I say you have to love yourself more, that means that, that you are totally com- comfortable with standing on your own and you don't need that person to, right. f- to complete you. Or, you know, I hear so many people say, oh, he's like my oxygen or she's like my oxygen. I can't breathe without her. Well, that's a problem. Because when you can stand on your own, you are so sure in where you're going and what you're doing. And think about it. It's just like you were talking about coaching. When you have a strong coach, the team works. When you have a coach that doesn't know what they're teaching the kids, you have melee. And that's very much the same with people in relationships. Is when you have a strong leader in yourself, you know where you're going. Your partner knows where you're going.
2: Well, talking about strong leaders, I I think Anthony Robbins is a great strong leader. He looked at me, I was like, oh, Taj is the strongest leader. (laughs) But no, really, Anthony Robbins is is an author, uh, a motivation speaker, someone who I consider a leader, right?
0: Yes. Actually,
2: he's the guy who got me into reading. Well, my uncle got me into reading, but it was his book Mm -hmm. that that drove my love of reading. And he has a really cool quote that um, I think will kind of shock people. Maybe not. But he said, initiating... First, well, the reason why it's going kind to of shock is because I don't think people would think he was a divorcee. Divorce That's guy. right, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he, he got yeah. a divorce and he had a big family. Mm-hmm. But he said, initiating and going through a divorce with four kids can be a brutal experience, but also a temper- tempering one. It gave me perspective and insight to be able to find the love of my life, which I think is really cool because I, I just... I'm not, like I said, especially with kids involved, I'm not the one who's going to always promote divorce, but I, I don't want, I don't believe people should just slowly die within themselves because they feel that there's no way out. We promote happiness. We, you, you got to promote with happiness. And, yeah. and And I think... I think we keep saying this because it's important to know. I don't want any of our listeners to say, I knew I wasn't happy and just filed divorce (laughs) within an hour. No, it's a big, 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 big decision. (laughs) (laughs) PT told me divorce. No, but uh, I I think you you have to, like you've done and and like April did, those are the two, you know, examples we have today so far. You guys tried a lot. You know, you've tried a lot of different ways to make it work. You were committed to the marriage. You're committed to making it work. It just couldn't work. No, And and I think, you know, it, it is sadly the right thing at that point to to, to separate. And
0: you know? I think that it is why I'm so happy because I have peace.
2: Well, it's still early. No, I'm just playing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we've been separated for many months. Um, you know, the other thing that I will tell people, there's two things that I learned. Number one, um, loving somebody is easy. Liking somebody is hard. <laughs> okay. So if you can like them, The love follows. (laughs) Um, It seems backwards, but it it does does seem backwards. The other thing is, don't involve a lot of people in your choice. (laughs) Don't bring a lot of people's opinions into your problems. I think everybody has an opinion, and everybody brings their own baggage to it. I a lot of people did not know. Like you guys did not know no. until it was done because that was no one's decision but my own, and I'm the only one that will had will have to live with the repercussions of that decision because what I found is everybody had an opinion right everybody had an opinion, and they didn't know what was going on
1: mm-hmm. that's that's behind a great, closed doors. that's a great point because what I always try and promote when friends call me is getting their having them talk and having them. Kind of explain to me because what I don't want to do as a friend is tell them what to do because I'm not in their shoes at all, you know, and I don't know the whole story. And so for me, it's just getting them to make the decision that they already knew they should make. It's just, you know. Getting, being that ear to,
2: to listen, mm-hmm. or I think sometimes, like you said, Taj, if you're the ear to listen, they could say it and hear themselves they'll say come it, to that conclusion, and they'll come to the conclusion they want to come to by just vocalizing what they're thinking. But too many yeah. people think, oh, I should tell them this or I
1: should tell them that, and they're not they're not in that. I, position I think that's today. a strong
2: advice, Erica, is, is don't include so many people because you'll hear all these different scenarios or reasoning or or things that can change how you feel and how you think. Mm-hmm and um that i th- sadly i th- we're out of t- time i don't know uh, where i the t- thought you t- said, out
3: of <laughs> <tent question laughs> <what for> <laughs> town yeah good cool question um what is the biggest change now for you
0: um i'm at peace i'm happy and i'm comfortable in my own skin and i'm not afraid of of not having everything figured out i think sometimes we get so controlling and we have to know where we're going it's, and and what I've learned is sometimes the journey is just as peaceful as the destination. Yeah. There you go. That's what I've learned.
2: That's that's great. Yeah. Taj, anything else? No. Erica, one, I know you just pretty much summed up the, the final thing, but is there anything else you want to share? I know you have your website that's being developed as of now. Do you not want to say what it is? Not yet. All right. But I'll
0: come back on and we'll talk about that because okay. it's a result of everything I've gone through. But my, my one advice to people is just stand in your truth. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything with the intention of harming anybody. Live to be the best way and the best version of yourself. And sometimes that works the way you've set up the constructs and sometimes it doesn't. But if you live authentically and truthfully, you can never go wrong.
2: Never go wrong. I love it. I love it. Who does? Who wants to go wrong? I'm <laughs> <laughs> so all glad right. I was
0: here with you guys. Thank you. It was fun, right? Having me, yeah, definitely. Were you nervous? No, good. No. Yeah, you didn't look. With nervous. You guys, no.
2: Yeah, you didn't look nervous. <laughs> you seemed ready. But that's all, we, all. That's all the time we have. If you are just discovering our show and want to learn more about our foundation, make sure you go to www.ddjf.org. I kind of messed that up. It's www.ddjf.org. Uh, well, I'm not anything. No, <laughs> I saw a thumbs up. I, <laughs> no, I'm giving you a thumbs up. Good job. Right. He's
0: just being supportive.
2: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much again, Erica, thank for sharing you. your story. I know it's not the easiest thing to do, although it didn't look so <laughs> tough for you. Um, but we truly appreciate it, and, and I know mm-hmm. our listeners do, so thank you. That's it. If you want to contribute, yeah. should we go support. there? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you want to support and contribute our show, please text the letters ddjf to the number okay wait wait. that was taj yeah yeah so yeah. what did i do wrong text no, it no, right this time, did. this time. text the four letters of ddjf mm. to the number You text it to the number yeah. <laughs> 41444 41444 and then it will set you up with some type of cool and easy and interactive uh donation page it could be a dollar it could be Two dollars could be five dollars.
3: It could be a million.
2: It could be a million, <laughs> mm-hmm. but and just know whatever you're donating is going to programs like the show, programs like our music heals and music therapy programs, and and many more that we have planned for the upcoming year. So we want to thank all of our listeners. We want to thank you, Erica, yeah. for being Thanks with Sarah's us. Thank you, guys. And um, have a blessed yep, and wonderful you. same time rest of week. Your, your week. And yes. we are we'll be back next Wednesday at one p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Adios. Hasta. Thank you for listening to the Power of Love. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Support for our Power of Love radio show comes from a variety of generous donors, including supporters from institutions, individuals, and corporations through the DD Jackson Foundation. DDJF is a nonprofit 501c3 organization.